0: The Tablet Show, episode 60, with guest John Sonmez. Recorded live Thursday, November 15th, 2012. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode Carl and Richard talk to John Sonmez about service stack and monogame. This episode of the tablet show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support online
1: at t e l l e r i k.com. And now here are Carl and Richard Thank you very much. Welcome back to The Tablet Show. It's Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is the other .NET Rock show. Yes,
2: The Tablet Show. The Tablet Show. Because we got to talk about tablets and mobile and all these good things. Modern apps
1: week. is what we're calling them now. you call them modern apps? Yeah. I like that. So, uh, John Sanmez is here, and we're on the .NET Rocks Visual Studio 2012 road trip, the launch road trip. And this is stop number... 29. 29. 29. Yeah, it's we're San in San Antonio. Yeah. And I think had the best barbecue of the whole trip for lunch today yeah. in Sealy, Heinzies at Heinzies Heinzies Barbecue in and, Sealy, Texas. And you liked it so much, you went back for more. That's right. You know when you have ribs for dessert, you know it's a good place. Something was good. Skip the pecan pie, got the ribs. Unbelievable ribs. So uh, maybe right up there with the best ribs I've ever had in my mm-hmm. life. And that's and you too. You that, thought
2: the same. I thought thing. I, it was the best, certainly the best ribs I've ever had at a restaurant. I think yeah. I make better ribs, but they're only that
1: good for like an hour. Yeah, these guys got it right there. It was amazing. Yeah. It's pretty cool. All right. Well, anyway, plug for Heinzies. Yeah, Sealy, Texas. Good food. We're going to talk about it. Yep. Let's uh, let's start off with uh, better no framework. Mm-hmm. All right, what do you got? Well today I went looking in the Windows App Store, the Windows 8 App Store, not uh-huh. the Win Phone 8. Yes. Yeah. And I found Reddit to go. Oh really? And the arms go up. <laughs> yeah, we like Reddit. We Reddit like our bands. Reddit. Well now there's a great Reddit client for Windows 8. Nice. It's, uh, Rather than go to the website, it's better to use a client. Well, yeah, because you get all the search capabilities right. that you get in in Windows 8, in the sharing capabilities and all that stuff just makes websites kind of obsolete in comparison. Yeah, Reddit really still gets the same traffic out of the deal, though. That's good. Though. Yeah, sure, it's all, all right. good. So Reddit, Reddit to go, Reddit to go. No, learn it, that learn it, love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Who's talking to us, man?
2: I grabbed a comment out of show number thirty-nine, and that is the one we did back in July. With uh, Billy Hollis. Oh, no, wait a I, minute. We're in Texas, so it's gotta be July. And back in July. Back in July. <laughs> with Billy Hollis. And I entitled the show, and he never complained about this Billy Hollis teaches us to touch.
1: Yeah. That's
2: right <laughs> I figured he would have busted me on that for sure But he didn't And it yeah. was a totally If you remember It was a totally touch-centric show It's like right. What do we do different When we build touch interfaces Of course Billy was great on that And Adam Knitson right. agrees with us Here's what Adam says Billy Hollis has to be in my top five favorite guests That you interview right. Which is good Because we interview him a lot That's right uh, He always seems to say those things That we left brain folk Want to ignore But shouldn't <laughs> I was really able to relate to his comment about finding the one or two catch features in an app that a normal user latches onto as the reason that they like the app. Like his lock and unlock icon, I created a set of three eyeball icons that had the appearance of looking back and forth at the bottom of the screen, which is <laughs> kind of creepy, really, isn't well, and it? and that's an old trick, to follow the mouse with little, eyeballs. Little eye, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, are you looking at me? Yeah. Uh, It was just a simple quick gimmick to show the user that the system was keeping a lookout for any new work items. The eyes would get real wide when the work was found and the user could click on them to show the work. It was only about an hour of effort that I almost didn't bother with because of the weeks of effort in the other parts of the application. But it was the favorite, quote, feature of most users. We really need to strive to find those hooks that get the user to say, I like this app. If we want our apps to be successful, being functional just isn't enough.
1: Right is that cool? That's very cool. I love very it. Very Billy Hollis.
2: Yeah, and Adam, totally agree with you. Brilliant idea. Love the eyes. Gonna send you a mug. Actually, I'll send you a mug whether I like your idea or That's not. Right. Just yeah. if I read your comment on the show. Exactly. So, a precious tablet show mug is on its way to you.
1: And if you'd like a tablet show mug, just write a comment on the site at thetabletshow.com. And with that, let me introduce our guest again back on The Tablet Show. John Sanmez is a plural site author and a full time senior developer at Trackabout. He works and teaches in a wide variety of technologies and platforms, including C Sharp, Java, Objective-C, Android, and iOS. He has a passion for agile development and real estate investment, and firmly believes that comments found in source code are evil and will lie to you. (laughs) John, I got to tell you, uh, it was just last night in Houston that uh, Venket Subramaniam did a presentation. And he showed an actual comment that he found in in somebody's code that said, "When I wrote this code, only God and I knew what the hell I was trying to do. <laughs> now God only knows." <laughs> 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 well, anyway, I thought I, I thought we we talked about comments being able when we started our last show, but uh, so what have you been up to lately? I'm uh, doing a lot of Plural site courses
0: uh the the latest one I'm I'm working on is a a course on uh, Service stack which is a a framework that basically uh, allows you to basically do the same thing that you could do with Web API mm-hmm. and uh, ASP.NET MVC uh, with a more convention-based and a uh, little bit simpler to use. And, uh, and it's all supported on mono, so you can run on all kinds of different platforms. Wow. So
1: dive into this a little bit with us. What's uh, Where does it live in the stack on the server?
0: Yeah. So this is, a uh, technology that it's primarily built on the server. And it's, uh, you can really think of it as replacing, uh, web services, uh, something to build web services. So, Kay. so web API uh, today right. is probably a, a good, good replacement for it. So, uh, and it also does have a client side as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so you can use, uh, for example, a lot of people might be using uh, Rust Sharp out there, C Sharp developers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this has its own client that understands the, the server as well. And so what that does is it makes it so you could basically call a service with one line of code because it, since it knows, uh, it, it knows all of the way that the server works, it allows you to change the transport and to do pretty much everything with just one line of
2: code. It's, it's very fast and efficient as well. Uh, so you're still programming in C Sharp. Correct. But you're running on the, the mono stack now. Right. So if you did
0: this in, in a mobile, in a mobile app, right? Mm -hmm. So you could, for example, do this in Mono Touch or Mono for Android. Right. With the Xamarin products, you would just be using a C Sharp library. So you'd still have to do the, the step of compiling it for that or using the DLL because it's, it's a separate, it's a different DLL that's required. Uh, but it's the same exact source code. So if you checked out this project on GitHub, you could build it from Mono. So it
1: sounds like it's not a, uh, based on standards, then is it based on standards, or do you have to have this client TLL in order to talk to that service? Oh no, it it, it is based on standards,
0: so it is a it's a totally uh, supports uh, almost all of the standards out there. So you could actually, from the service side, uh, full uh, SOAP one point one and one point two, you can use it uh, JSON, uh, JSV format, mm-hmm. uh, CSV. There's quite a few different formats, and you hmm. can
1: also add.
0: Add right to those formats. So
1: but I guess the benefit of using your client DLLs it just wraps it all up for you. Right. And then you have a DLL or or a library let's say for all of the major client platforms.
0: Right, exactly, right. I so, y- so you can, and, and it's also, you're going to share your types there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. w- one of the key things that, that's baked into Service Stack is this idea of instead of the way that we used to build our WCF services, right? right. Where we, we basically say, like, get customer by ID, get customers yeah. by IDs, you yeah. know, uh, and, and we have this huge, uh, surface area of our, our API. Right. What Service Stack encourages you is to use, uh, martin fowler's dto pattern to to okay. say we're going to we're going to make it so instead of calling all you know five different methods we're going to just have a customer query object and yeah. you're you're going to have one web service method one endpoint and you're going to pass in this query object this dto and it's going to return you back a response will be your dto of customers. Uh, data data transformation
2: object okay mm. but it, it gets rid of the endless list of variations from all the different gets into this, this query object, and you pass it an a, overloaded set of parameters, and then it returns what you want?
0: Right. So, for for example, let's, let's take a look at that customer example, right, right where mm-hmm. you're passing, in maybe you're going to search in, in WCF or in your old web service way you might have, where you're searching by customer, by ID, mm-hmm. by name, by address. Well, instead, let's just have one query object, mm-hmm. right? And in that query object, we're going to have a couple of properties. We're going to have a, a list of IDs. We're going to have a list of names. We're going to have a list of uh, addresses. Mm-hmm. And if you fill in what you want. So, right. if you want to just get, it. get one ID, just fill in one Same ID. One.
2: Yep. Mm. And and the the receiving class should be smart enough to figure out what it can figure out from what you've handed it. Exactly, exactly. So you're building on your
0: side, your web service to take in that query object and then to basically figure out what to return based on that. Certainly mm-hmm. results
1: in a lot less client code. Right, yeah. right.
0: And then also it's uh, maintainable. So that's, that's just the big thing that I've felt a pain of. A lot of WCF developers probably have felt this pain of you release version one of your API, right? Mm-hmm. And then you want to make some changes to the parameters. Well, you can't because people are using version 1. Right,
2: so you start doing these V1, V2, V3 conventions right. for the parameter sets. Right,
0: but if you have a query object, if you just have that one DTO, you add a field to it, no
2: big deal. Yeah, you just ignore it if you don't use it, and if right. it's there, then you do something
1: different. So for Android, you have a Java library. For iOS, there's an Objective-C. Thing.
2: No,
0: actually... It's, uh, it's all, it's C sharp. So you do have to use the Xamarin tools oh, to, so, oh, to run see. on Android and, and iOS. So. But, so, okay. But
2: server stack has nothing to do with Xamarin. Didn't it come out of, uh, Stack Exchange? Correct.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Demis, uh, Bellet, uh, if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's all right. But, we didn't uh, mean
1: it, Dennis. Think good thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> We've only read your name. We haven't heard it spoken
0: but he was the originator of of this project uh and he's a really really I don't know how he how he manages to communicate with so many people but he's a really nice guy yeah. mm. by the way helped me a lot with this course and uh he uh he works for uh, stack exchange mm. and he came up with this he was he basically uh you know from reading his story of how he he came up with this he had worked on some big enterprise applications had done everything the correct way and it was this big unmaintainable mess and then so he then he really simplified things down and said instead what is the purpose of a service mm-hmm. it's it's to perform a service mm. so you you need to serve what the user wants to do and so he really tried to distill things down to very simple, simple, and convention-based. So there's, like, no configuration in service stack. It all just works how you would imagine that it should work, uh, with the fewest lines of code possible, for as far as I can tell, for any any type of web service framework I've ever used. So,
2: and and I mean, you threw out the Linux word right away on this because it was Mono, but you could run all this on Windows too, right? Service oh, Stack runs on Windows.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. It, it it has now in within Service Stack, right? The reason why it's called Stack is because not only is it just the web service part, but it's got an IOC container built in there called oh, okay, Funk. It's got a uh, called a,
2: Funk. You said.
0: Yeah, F F U N Q
2: okay <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> it's got a different kind of funk <laughs> <laughs>
0: and it's uh it's also got an i o c container built in there uh called orm light which is very okay. much uh one of those dynamic very lightweight uh object relational mappers uh and then it has support for uh the a serialization so that json serialization mm-hmm. a lot of us uh use like the newton uh json mm-hmm. um but this one is actually uh, just a little bit faster. It's 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 considered the fastest uh, serialization for JSON on in .net right now. Nice. And uh, and it also has support for things like Redis, so you can use Redis for your caching cool. client. And, uh, and it has a bunch of lots of of little plugins that work to uh, to build this whole stack of pretty much everything you you need. So you could get the service stack and then run a create a web API, for example, an API for your your web services mm-hmm. and everything that you need is right there built
1: in. Now it runs on Windows, but what about uh, Windows 8 and Windows Phone 8?
0: Right, so you can run it on anywhere. Pretty much that you can use C sharp because on as far as the the client side, you don't have to even use the client. It comes with a client uh, that All that's right. a convenience for you, but you could call it with JavaScript or yeah, whatever. It's supposed to be
2: a web service, right? So right. you should be any kind of client, right? I mean, I'm well. I, I'm
1: talking about the client side library. Uh, he said it requires C sharp, so that doesn't mean you can run it in JavaScript. Right. You can't call it from JavaScript, is what I'm saying.
0: The, the client side, but you client can call side. the server from JavaScript. Call script. the server, right. sure. Exactly, yep. Sure.
2: Which just sort of begs the question, how much variation is there in web services when you start working on all these different mobile platforms?
0: As far as calling the web services? Yeah,
2: like different clients calling the web service. Like you think a web service is a web service, but it's not really the case.
0: It, it Yeah, and it, it depends on, you know, uh, I've built... Uh, uh, on Android and iOS mm-hmm. using the native uh, language and, and tooling uh, ca- are programs that call web services. Mm-hmm. And it's different. It is, you're right. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to figure out, you know, for example, in my pacemaker uh, application, I, I call like, daily miles. Uh, a web API mm-hmm. in order to track uh, your runs, mm-hmm. and uh, and doing it on Android and and iOS is is definitely different. It's a challenge because you got to figure out well, how am I going to actually get uh, make an HTTP request with mm-hmm. these? And there's different right. libraries, and so this is where something like this makes it very simple because you're going to be able to just reuse that code. Now you nice. have to use the Xamarin products, but you know if you're a .NET developer already, then and you right. want to develop for iOS or you Android.
2: C Sharp's not a hardship then right. yeah. Yeah. But it also seems to level a playing field for the calling behavior
1: between the different web services.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, it's okay. the same code at that point. So,
1: I like that. You think you'll ever make a JavaScript uh, library, client-side library? Uh, you know, I, it's, it's actually pretty easy to call the, the
0: service stack services already with, with JavaScript. Uh, in my, okay. in fact, in my Pluralsight course, I actually go through a, a very simple example where I just create a, a static HTML page and just a one liner, uh, jQuery dot, you know, Ajax call to. It's to funny it. that
1: it's simple in JavaScript, but not in C sharp. Right. <laughs> right. Kind of funny. <laughs> you know? So why do I want to use service stack instead of web API? Well,
0: uh, you know, there's web API. It's good. I don't want to knock web API. Sure. I, I have plenty of projects that you know, I'm using web API. Uh, Service stack is is a little more simple as far as it's it does things uh, in in a way that requires less configuration, mm-hmm. and it it pretty much if you're trying to, for example, create a REST-based uh, web API, uh, it's going to be able to, or you're going to be able to do that. A lot easier with a lot less code, and mm-hmm. without having to learn a lot. You know, uh, if you go through on on Server Stack, if you just go through the the Hello World, this is what convinced me. I said, okay, well, let me take a look at this technology. And within two minutes, I had their Hello World, and I was yeah. my my uh, jaw was on the floor. I said, how could it be this easy? Because hmm. when I first got Web API up, you know, I had to figure out how to serialize my types and to and, yeah. and figure out. To, you know, supporting the different formats. But once you get this up and running, it's it's just so fast and and easy. And then nice. if you want to run this on, for example, uh, on Linux or you know, uh, you, you can of course use Azure for uh, for for web API yep. stuff. Mm-hmm. But this you could run on on uh, a Linux server, and you've got the Redis support, so you can really bring your costs down if you're. A startup, just yeah, especially
2: as you start to scale, right, yeah, where yeah. suddenly all those servers and all those Windows licenses and things start to add up. The fact that you can jump over to essentially a free a free platform,
0: right? Exactly. Yeah, that's right. the that's the big thing. Is all these things uh, are, are pretty much free. You've mm-hmm. got no licensing costs. and you can you know, even the uh, the ORM will integrate with MySQL and uh, and uh, Postgres. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so you can go over to a free stack without having to change, not give up your programming language. It still work the way you're used to working. Right. Yep. I yeah, think that's really interesting, and, and combinations. So, what sort of projects are you using this stack for?
0: Well, uh, w- one uh, one project that I'm I'm Looking at converting over now is mm-hmm. actually a deployment project, an automated deployment project. So, uh, so where, where I'm working right now, we're using web API, mm-hmm. but we've had to work on serializing our types and mm-hmm. we've written quite a bit of code to be able to, to utilize this. And we're also using this in Android and iOS mm-hmm. as well, the, the current web API one. So I'm right. looking at right now at trying to, convert this over and uh, and start using the, the service stack.
2: So for deploying apps onto phones?
0: Uh, this is, well, there's, there's two parts to, to the APIs that we have, but, mm-hmm. but one of them is just the deployment of a, uh, ASP.NET application to a server and doing all the kind of things that you need to do. You know, uh, most enterprise applications today, you can't just deploy the app. You've got to, you know, start up services, yep. run Delta scripts for the SQL database, all this type of thing. So this handles some of that coordination. Mm-hmm.
2: Just sort of simplifies that process, right? Yeah. So, but now you're talking. Now it sounds like you want to deploy from a phone, which sounds. Where's a phone fall into a, a project like that?
0: Well, this is I I kind of kind of merge some things together. Oh, okay. There's okay. another API that we're using also to uh, to communicate with the phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of hosted uh, in the same place. I, t- I tend to think of them as the same thing in my mind, but sure. But they're two separate services. They
2: yeah, are somewhat different.
1: This portion of the tablet show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET Ajax, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems, all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources, such as documentation and forms. Go to slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting the tablet show.
2: Big challenge I get into when we talk about services like that is how big of chunks of data are you pushing around? Services seem to be happier when the the packets are small.
0: Right. Yeah, and that's a, that's a good point. Uh, you know, obviously for any the same type of constraints that you would have for any type of uh, of web service mm-hmm. or a REST-based service you're going to have here with service stack. Uh, you know, you, you can get around some things. It does support uh, some of the binary formats. Uh, you can actually serialize, uh, do binary serialization as well mm-hmm. if you want to, if you need that kind of uh, performance. Just to
1: get things yeah. smaller. Yep. Yeah. You mean, said the serializer performance is much better than what's in the box.
0: Right, yeah. It's yeah. a It's a very – It's right now at least for the json side uh it's current benchmarks that i've seen considered the fastest one out there on .net. Yeah, so that's very cool
1: so john last time we talked to you we were talking about monogame and boy you really lit off a firestorm of uh people's interest there what's uh what's the latest what have you heard about monogame are you still messing around with it
0: yeah actually I, i've still been playing around with it um in fact uh you know, I just had released a course in PluralSight on X and A. Oh really? And uh That's and, cool. And there's really no difference. So that was the beauty of it. That's I interesting. got to build another game. I built a, a shooting game this time uh using X and A. And then in my X and A course I got to reference monogame and say, Hey, now you can run this game. You just learned how to develop an iOS or an Android game. So uh yeah. so that's that's pretty cool. And and also the uh the 3.0 version uh, went beta, so if you go to the Monogame site now, you'll find, I think the last time we had talked about the uh, not, not supporting 3D, in the, you had to go to the 3D branch and get it right. from GitHub, but now if you download the, the 3.0 beta, yeah. uh, it, it also has uh, the Visual Studio 2012 templates as well. So,
2: so XNA and Monogame are that close together. It's like if you can do one, you can do the other. Exactly. Are yep. you doing XNA to the phone or XNA to Xbox? So, uh, in, in my course, I, I actually did, uh, start off
0: with XNA to, uh, Windows, just a Windows 7. Okay. And then we actually deployed our game to Xbox. Neat. And, uh, and then I talked a little bit about how you could just take that just as simply to iOS or Android. Uh, and in the Mono Game course I had done, done earlier, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'd, I'd shown some examples of exactly how to do it, which is, I mean, it's so brainless. It's so easy mm-hmm. to do. So.
2: Although, if I remember from our last show, there's always little, fidgets. There's a little bit of art tweaking, mm-hmm. a little bit of sort of fence post errors to get the app to look as good as it can on each platform. Right,
0: yep, yep. There's there's some small tweaking that you might have to do, for example, you know, the, the different... Screen data. size and
1: orientations and things.
0: Exactly. And in fact, that's... If you think about that up front, uh, it's it's not even that hard because it'll auto-scale. If you use the right resolutions mm-hmm. up front, You uh, most of the platforms will auto-scale, like Xbox for example, mm-hmm. auto-scales. And then uh, you just have to be able to Essentially, the only code you really have to write that's different is launching your app. Yeah.
2: Probably. Oh, really? So. Although I, I want to stay on the graphic side of these things because you know we talk about the different devices that we're trying to get to, and I think the big one is the different DPIs. Like if you've got a retina display device or even some of the new Win phones, where the resolution is 240, 280, 300 dpi, right. like you really want a graphic that takes advantage of that. People mm-hmm. aren't going to accept a low-quality graphic on a screen that good. Mm-hmm. Right. And, that, and that's a good
0: point. I mean, in, in that case, if you want to build an application that's going to really utilize that, you're going to have to build graphics that are, are like that. But, you know, I guess you can really think about it as, uh, you know, I look at my Chrome browser for example on mm-hmm. my my MacBook Retina that I got and I see the little uh, Chrome extensions and I see some of them are blurry right really and it's and it's like well someone didn't build that yeah. Didn't think about that, right? Or even yeah. when you just go to a website, right, and you realize, oh, this logo is blurry. I never noticed that before. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's
2: fine on a on a normal. It's almost display. like what happened to, when HD really came to televisions, and you realize that right. not all these people on TV not actually that pretty, right? Yeah. Yeah. The picture is so good, and now you can see, dude, you got to sit, <laughs> <laughs> and you're on TV. Yeah. Uh, but inside, when we're working in monochrome in these environments, are we able to detect? The platform we're on in the sense of knowing I'm on a higher resolution screen I should use this different resource use a higher version of the graphic right that's a good that's a good question mm-hmm. so you can
0: look uh within x and a you can figure out what the display size is okay right? and so based on that you can figure out what your to swap out a graphic right. if you
2: wanted. And it to. sounds like you sort of have a threshold, and you have sort of a regular graphic, high res graphic, and then if I check my display size against my resolution and go, ah, this crosses the high res threshold, use the higher end graphics. Right, right, okay. And
0: w- and when you're in a game world, it's a little bit different as well because you can think about different ways. You know, you one way that you can incorporate retina is you can make your screen, uh, your your game area bigger, bigger. right. But you could keep the same graphics and they're just smaller. Yeah, no, you know, no. if you think about, uh, I remember when I was. Playing uh, an MMO and and I got a high resolution display mm-hmm. and then you know something you could see more yeah Yeah. it didn't it didn't change the graphics it just made it so my my field of
2: vision was bigger And again, you get back to uh, somebody's paid extra for this higher resolution screen and you better compensate them in your game or they're going to be annoyed with you more screen visibility i think is also a good compensation right
0: yeah yeah and there's also balances between the two Mm -hmm. so it's a point at which the
2: icons are so small you can't make them out anymore right right (laughs) some of those really high resolution screens i am just fascinated with this problem because these are all the th- arguments against these cross-platform development techniques. But even if you were working in Objective-C straight up on uh, iPads, some are Retina and some are not. You still have to do detection. Right,
0: exactly. And that's that's kind of the point I was making with the web pages is mm-hmm. that even if you're a web developer, just developing a standard corporate web page, mm-hmm. now if you really want to support everything you have to consider retina display because you need to have two two versions of your graphic for for that as well and your
2: cto is using a retina display ipad don't upset him right
0: (laughs) but the good news is probably within you know maybe two or three years everything's going to be retina display so we won't really have to to care about it as much
2: you think so because they they are expensive
0: I, I I tend to think so. I mean, I could be wrong. That's that's my prediction mm-hmm. because especially if you've used a retina display and then you try to go back to something it else. It ruins you. Yeah. It's, it's a like, one-way trip. Right. Exactly. It's like <laughs> when HDTVs came out. You yeah. You can go
2: back, so... Well, and, and Carl's got his new Lumia 920, and had the experience with
1: unbelievably good photographs out of the camera. Beautiful. It's just
2: higher resolution
1: and uh, amazing video too. Like the video stabilizer in the in the 920, yeah, is amazing. It looks like it's on a tripod when you're just holding it up. It's that amazing. It's, we were talking in the last show about you know making any kind of you know line of business apps with sort of data entry, input, and every anything on mono game, and and how. You know, if you could master that with binding, like we could in XAML, for example, that uh, we would have a truly cross-platform. Maybe not any kind of thing that would take advantage of the local UI, but we could sort of have a consistent UI right. and do these real kinds of applications instead of just games. So I went online and I found this place, GameDevSources.info, GDR Game Development Resources, and they have a uh, Mono game for WinRT. Yeah. So MonoGame is the open source XNA development framework where the XNA developers for Xbox, Windows, and WP7 can be able to port their games for iOS, Android, Mac OS X, Linux, Windows 8 Metro style apps, and PlayStation mobiles. Wow. So were you aware that we could do this on WinRT?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can build. In fact, there's there's apps in the store right now on uh, that, that that were R... built that way. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So
1: so so now there's another article here using XAML on MonoGame for WinRT. Now this I hadn't heard. Okay. Since I'm planning to develop games for WinRT, I found out that the MonoGame is the most suitable framework for people like me who has experience, obviously not in the English language, but with developing games with XNA framework. Although Windows Phone 7 offers to integrate Silverlight components with XNA, WinRT architecture is completely different from the previous framework. XNA games are not allowed to upload and showcase new app store because of their new terms and condition requirements and there's no way to integrate new Metro UI with XNA either. Monogame solves this problem by creating XNA framework-like wrapper over Sharp DX, which is the best and fastest DirectX wrapper. However, Monogame offers uh, XNA look-alike framework, but the best solution would be combining Metro UI with Monogame framework. Here's a tutorial of how to integrate Metro UI with Monogame, thanks to Petrol on Monogame forum for sample code of Monogame with XAML. Hmm. So there's a download thing, and I have no—I just saw this, and I have no idea if this is a, a real thing or if this is even the same thing that we were looking at last time. Hmm. But uh, it would be quite interesting to be able to do both of those things at the same time. Would be. We'll have to just keep our eyes open, yeah, and our ears for for
2: that. It just speaks to we're finding more ways to solve this cross-platform development problem, right? That well, it's all well and fine to exploit uh, the given hardware with the given language. If you have to support a lot of them, there's an advantage to doing some of these cross-platform techniques, and at least these ones are low enough level that mm. you're not going to get in as much trouble with them. Right,
0: and, it, and you know, I actually saw a technology I haven't used it yet. It's in mm-hmm. my bookmarks to to check this out more. It's called MVVM Cross. Hmm. It, it came from the MVC Cross, mm-hmm. which is it's basically an MVVM framework for doing uh, the using the Xamarin tools, mm-hmm. where it takes it. All the way up to the UI layer. So the only thing you're building is, for example, on the Windows 8 side, just the XAML, mm-hmm. on the iOS side, just the, uh, the XML that d- describes the screen. so cool. Yeah, yeah. And same thing on the Android side, and you're binding, and that's it. And everything else from, from the, that, UI definition down is all shared code. Wow. So you're basically building almost your entire app with shared code, and you're just defining the views this time. Uh, Oh, that's so cool.
1: That's exactly what we want. Yeah,
2: Especially from a business development perspective. It's not going to be as flexible a way to build some of those screens, but it's enough. Right, right. That's pretty exciting and minimizing cross-code. It's
1: it's a bold move right now to break away from the UI uh, look and feel of your platform. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, uh so if you had an iPhone app that didn't look like an iPhone app, that looked like your app, you know what I mean? That, that would be a bold move. I mean, they're basically saying don't do that.
0: Right. Yeah. So, th- but this framework—that's why I like this framework, and I hmm. want to check this out because it it allows you to not do that. Right. Because the so, UI elements right. are all native. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're just building. You're essentially just like how in a ASP.NET or you know a Windows application right now. We if we use that MVVM pattern, we just
1: we can swap out the views. Yes. Now the views are just totally different platforms. That's right. so cool. And so that that would work for Windows Phone. Yep. Windows 8. Yep. iOS. Yep. and Android. Yeah,
0: anywhere you could run uh, net to build build your apps. What's the so.
1: tool called again?
0: MVVM Cross, and like I said, I haven't looked at it mm. uh, all that in depth myself. I had looked at the MVC Cross, mm-hmm. and uh, and I found that since you're still having to write a lot of a lot of the native code, I, I didn't like it. I was still looking for the next thing, and
2: this right. I'm thinking you this want to might be is just combined to the view. Right, exactly. Right. And it's so cool. You know, so cool. Very interesting. I, I like that we're resisting. Let's just do it all in HTML five. Yeah, we are. Right, there's other alternative the stories The native yeah.
1: solutions are getting more and more tempting, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. and Facebook helped us with that. With <laughs> whether the blame was warranted or yeah, not, Yeah, it's they, a little unfair. They tend to they pushed it in the, in the in the direction more native. Well, so. I
2: appreciate Actually, the idea yeah. that the HTML5 approach allows really a build once, run anywhere. Um, with some consequences when you want to be first to market and you want to right. control cost, but Facebook has way too much money to justify trying to control those costs. I actually right. found
1: a really fast, really awesome Facebook client for Windows Phone 8 mm-hmm. called Facebook Touch, and talk about fast! Here, I'll I'll boot it from from Touch here, boing, and it's up, and it is so fast it's not even funny. Nice, wow! How fast did you saw how fast that was? Right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's like. Try that with the with the uh, Windows eight Facebook client, or the heck the iPhone Facebook client.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's or any of the Facebook clients now. that are, but they're all the same, right? That's this is the indictment against the sort of wrapped HTML five approach. Is yeah, they've all got the same set of problems. Yeah. Uh, although now, how much of that is that tool, and how much of that is Facebook? Like the Maybe. Facebook is not mobile friendly. It's just not. Right. Which right. is ironic, really, because it's the number one used mobile app of all time. Mm-hmm. But it was never intended as a mobile product. Like, they, I don't yeah. think the Facebook guys have got their head around getting to mobile in a serious way. I know they, they're concerned about it, but they're not there.
1: Well, they thought, yeah, that would be a good idea, but they had architected for the desktop.
2: Yep, truly right. have, and they haven't shaken that off yet. I think it's a battle we're going to have over and over and over again. I mean, we certainly fight it just on .NET Rocks. Is how do we make this website as mobile as it can be? Right. right. We I mean, may have gone a little too far. Well, we've gotten a pure mobile, an <laughs> m.page, which, let's face it, that's as lightweight, as mobile as we can possibly We want it as get. fast and light as possible, mm-hmm. yeah. But I think that's the wrestling matches. You know, we talk about responsive web design and so forth. How do we make better apps for mobile? mm yeah, I, th- I think the
0: answer is either, you know, the hardware is going to increase to the point where you can basically make the whole operating system be the browser. Yep. And if yeah. it's, if it's fast enough that it can just render it and, and you don't even care, it's going to be super fast or we're going to go the native route.
1: Mm-hmm. You we know. Didn't notice we stopped talking about virtual applications. You know, instead of virtual machines having virtualized apps that run in their own complete operating system by themselves. Remember mm-hmm. we were talking about that for sure, a Sure, and it, it's still stalking around sort of in the IT world, but you're not certainly talking about it in the mobile context. No, certainly not, but I mean, it, it's almost the same thing when the operating system, when the browser becomes the operating system. It's sort of like this little virtualized world yeah. that uh, only, only lives in that process. I like the idea that native is fighting back.
2: Yeah, you're lowering the cost of cross-platform native development as well as having this cross-platform HTML development.
1: And the net result is everybody wins because these forces are battling constantly. Yeah, we're just trying, trying to, to one-up each other. Trying to find our way, right? this is We're watching evolution in action right here. We are.
2: Here, right? they're, they're dueling back and forth. All right, well, let's bring this all back around because, uh, I, I mean, I'm excited about what's happening with the, some of these native implementations. Still using web services on the back end, right? Right. That that part's just not going to go away. And you're liking the service stack approach.
0: Yeah, I, I like it because it's it's so simple. Like I said, you don't have to learn a lot to mm-hmm. to be able to use it. And it, you know, be being convention based, being able to be called from the mobile platforms very easily mm-hmm. it makes it something that if you just wanted to get uh, up a an, an app where you're not going to be able to afford all this licensing and everything, you can, sure. you can build something that has a back end uh, where you're not having to crunch all the data on the app yeah. and, and build it multi-platform, and you can do that pretty easily. So. Well, let it
2: gets back to how do we lower the cost of cross platform, do more work on the back end. Right. And when you start using the tools like that to build those web services, now it, you can call them from a, your HTML5 clients as well as you can call them from your native clients. So right, really exactly. having back end services that are absolutely common. Right. The yep. broadest platform, regardless of development technique.
0: Yeah, and that's the key. That's the key. Do
2: you have to build, I mean, we already talked about this earlier, This the fact that, that what one client thinks is web service and the web service rules is different from another client. How do I build a common sense of back-end services so that will work for any of those clients? Well, I mean,
0: ideally, I, I think, you know rest has really given us a, a pretty good solution there right. if if you follow a rest space and and you know rest is a highly debated term but the basic idea of you know making it so that your urls mm-hmm. are ma- mainly what you're passing in through the url is mm-hmm. what matters Right. and uh, i think that really makes things simpler and, and and also the the way you're passing back data you know we most people are using json now so it's it's very simple we mm-hmm. used to say oh if you didn't have xml and that xml didn't have schema you don't have nothing, you just have you know, garbled care. It doesn't. it doesn't have meaning, but now mm-hmm. we've we've reversed that, and we said, uh, just just give us the data. you can yeah. give is us all we need. Yeah, we yeah. Don't yeah. need light it up. up.
1: If we don't need all this other stuff we don't
2: need right it. and lighten it up as much as possible, and we'll deal with the consequences.
0: Yeah, if we don't have to negotiate types, I think that was one thing that was really holding right. us back for a long time. Mm-hmm, is right. we had to say, well, what is an integer on this platform, and right. what is yeah. now we just send you a stream of data, and, and you it's, do you yeah. turn
1: it into whatever you if you
0: care it your own right. way.
2: But you get back to you, if you care about types, go ahead and apply types to it. Right, and yeah. if you don't care
1: about types, it's not going to get in your way. Right, because there's a lot of stuff that doesn't care about types. No, the whole
2: dynamic stack doesn't care about type yeah. at all.
1: JavaScript doesn't care about types.
2: sure. Yeah, and that, I think that's an interesting problem we talk about in the web service space. Is you can't, you if you're really going to be cross-platform, you can't enforce things that other languages just don't deal with. Yep,
1: it's going to be it's going to be a huge problem. And it turns out JSON is just so dang simple to look at and see what it is and small. And small, Right. Fast. Not, not decorated with a
2: lot of Askey. punctuation and angle brackets.
1: ASCII is our friend.
2: Yes. See, it seems to be the only standard we can count on. The only on
1: standard it. left.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we started with CSV, and
0: we kind of ended with CSV. Yeah, we're yeah. still there. I mean, never really got it. <laughs> we, we
1: had this little
0: little flirtation with XML and schema, and then we went back to Yeah, CSV we got over so. it so.
2: Yeah. Apparently, that was not the right thing to do. We're going to go a different way.
1: Well, John, it's been great talking to you, and thanks for coming out to uh, San Antonio and being with us on the road trip. No problem. Anytime. All right. We'll see you next time on The Tablet Show.